Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Ready? Awesome? Good. Well, we're so glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for coming. And it's just, it's good to be with the family of God this morning. I'm so thankful for every one of you that's in this building. We love you. So glad that you could be here with us. And uh, we're going to get right into the word this morning. So are you okay with that? All right, perfect. So let's get into this. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. And we're going to just read a couple of these verses again. And uh, again, just for, for time and for, you know, necessarily repeating myself over and over, there's a word that we've been reading over. And I've just, the more and more I read it, the more and more aggressive and militant I'm getting. <sighs> I mean, if I could, if I dressed according to how I'm feeling on the inside, I'd be wearing an army suit right about now. It's just what word the church is called to do. It is bigger than, I mean, I'm not, I'm not got the full glimpse of it, but I'm just asking the Lord, show me, reveal, open me up. And what the Lord is doing in these last days, there he is enlisting and raising up an army, raising up a band that will know how to pray against the forces of evil that are arising in this earth. And that's what this church exists for. This is why we're here. So what's so helpful is the more and more clarity you get on what you're called to do. I mean, a lot of times people talk vision, and that's great. Vision is wonderful. Not only does it tell you where you're going, but it also tells you what your boundaries are. Right? That's it's so helpful to understand. Okay, Lord, this, what is this church here for? What's the purpose of it? Impacting generations for Jesus. And you find actually in that there's the four priorities that we really focus on. So to be a strong word-centered church in central Alberta. To you know, train and distribution center of leaders and the word in every form. Like this is just what we're called to do. So it's just helpful the more and more that we see it. Listen, God is assembling an army together and that's what you and I are a part of. This is why you're called here is because God is raising up this army in this last day and he's looking to enlist. So you're wondering, how did I get here this morning? The Lord has need of you. All right. I'm glad you're excited about that. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, let's start it off again in verse 17. We're picking it up. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul had, or really the Holy Spirit gave to the Apostle Paul for the church. And this is something that you can pray for yourself regularly. Right? And this is what he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to these words, the Father of glory, may he give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In the knowledge of him. This whole thing that we're a part of is to grow more and more intimate knowledge in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is what this is all about. How's the church going to advance? How's the church going to move forward in these last days? To grow in our wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. This is how we do it. Okay, verse 18, he says, Now the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Look, notice the three things again. This is why he wants you to have this spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know what he's called you to do. Secondly, that you would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance that's in the saints. So it's already in you. There's an inheritance in me. There's one in you through what Jesus did in his burial and resurrection. Verse 19, it says, When what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where is that? Far. Come on, F-A-R. Far. And I put about F-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-
principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age and in this world, but also in that which is to come. I can see Paul, as he's getting this, as he's writing this, he's just, <laughs> just writing this, getting, this is amazing. He gets excited far above and he goes, every name and every power and principality and every name that is named, not only now, but also in the world which is to come. Then he says, and he has put all things under his feet and made Jesus to be who and what? The head over all things for the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all in all. Now let's continue reading because it doesn't stop a chapter and verse. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, and you. Come on, say it. And me. Come on, say it. Look at me. And me. And me he has made alive when I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And says, and, you know, just skip down to verse, oh, let's just read it. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us, the Amplified, I think, brings out in order to satisfy his great love for us. What did he do? Even when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Then he says, and he has raised us. Come on, say, raised me. He raised me up together and made me sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come, he might come to show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So in four billion years from now, what's going to be happening? This verse. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but God's word never passes away. So in the ages to come, ages doesn't just mean, you know, when I get into, you know, my 70s or 80s. No, this is talking about when you get into your four billionth year of being around, this is what he's going to continue to do. This is who our God is. So in the mind of God, this is how God thinks. This is what his mind is set on. So when he saw Jesus raised from the dead, he also saw you. So this has got to be an overwhelming mentality that we, the church, has, is that when Jesus was raised from the dead, so was I. And not only was I just raised, but then he seated me in heavenly places far above all the things that we listed off in verses 18 and 19. Amen. All right, we can just go home. That was church today, folks. You'd, you'd be blessed by that. That's, that's so good. Now, again, occupying this seat that you and I have been given, we have to take this seat. And this whole Christian life that we are a part of, everything in Christian life is a response. You don't initiate anything in the Christian walk. Grace says you're blessed. The response is, thank you. Grace says you're healed. The response is, thank you. You don't have to initiate. You can't save yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't bless yourself. You can't make yourself full of peace and joy. It is all a gift from God. It's part of the inheritance that he gave you. So this Christian life is a complete response to what God has already done. So now when he says you've been seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, our response is thank you and I'm going to take that seat. I believe it, therefore I take it. Right? And now once we've taken our seat, we're also now going to operate from this seat. Correct? Yeah. 
Now, the operation is a big deal because, again, to be effective now from this seat, I'm going to take about five minutes just to go over last week a little bit. But to be effective again from this seat, what is required is that I set my sight or I relocate myself mentally to think from this position. If I want to be an effective believer on this earth and move the church, move the kingdom of God forward in these last days, I have to have a brand new mindset. I have to think differently. I have to think as one who is seated at the right hand of God. This is how we have to think. Okay? Now let's look here again. Colossians chapter 3. <laughs> Why does God want us to relocate ourselves? So that we think like Jesus. Because again, if, I mean, this is probably week eight now we are going into, but we've, you got to kind of trace back and follow along with all this because it's been kind of progressive week after week how the Lord's leading us. But what we see is that the head is completely dependent upon the body to carry out what he wants to do on this earth. Jesus can't just come to this earth and do whatever he wants to do because again, in the spirit, there are laws. In order for God to have access in this earth, he needs a body to work through. The same thing with the enemy. The enemy needs a body to work through. And what we got is we got a lot of folk that just simply yield to him. So what we, the church, what we're waking up to is going, okay, the head wants to do something. Lord, I'm submitted myself. Here am I. Here's my mind willing to be changed. Here's my thoughts, my beliefs, my attitudes willing to be changed to line up with heaven. And at that moment, God goes, I got somebody I can work with now. This is what we're, this is what we're gearing up for. So Colossians chapter 3, it says it like this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now he says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. Why? Because you have died to this life. Say it with me. I died. Doesn't that feel good? I, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead to this earth, but I'm alive to him. This is why we set our sights. This is why you have to relocate yourselves mentally because you've been transferred out of an old kingdom with old mindsets, with old rules, with old ways of operating. Now you've been transferred into this brand new kingdom. And the problem in the Christian world is that this transfer takes place, spiritually speaking, you are golden. You are good to go. You look just like Jesus on the inside. But there is a problem. Your mindsets haven't shifted yet. Your soul still needs to be saved, still needs to be changed. So what takes place is that's called the transformation or the renewing of our mind. And where frustration in Christianity takes place is I'm in this brand new kingdom, but I think like that. It does not work. You'll be frustrated. You'll get offended. You'll get bitter. You'll complain. You'll whine. You'll critic. You'll do all these things. It's because there's something with an unrenewed mind that hasn't been transferred over yet. So this is what the whole, the whole focus that we're in now is that we have to transfer the way we think so that we start to think over here. Okay? All right. Now, operating from this seat, again, to be effective requires you and I to relocate ourselves mentally. Secondly, now, operating from this seat, Jesus said, I would live an untouchable life. Say it with me, untouchable. untouchable. That sounds good, don't it? Untouchable. Luke chapter 10, let's read this verse again real quickly. Luke 10, verse 19. Again, this is Jesus explaining to his, the 70 that came to him after they realized that, hey, man, all the demons, they, they, were, they were listening to us. They were subject to your name. We cast out demons. We healed the sick. We saw all that stuff. Jesus, the authority you gave us, we saw it all take place. Then Jesus says, now you understand. 
And this, I believe, church, we got to get this. Now you understand. The moment you were raised up with him, now you understand. Don't you know who you are? This is the message that Paul had in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Remember, I used this illustration one time. I remember I was watching a boxing match. This was a couple years back. And all of a sudden, you kind of zoom into the guy's corner. That was kind of getting his butt kicked a little bit. The coach is now he's sitting on the chair. And the coach is beating him up more than the actual guy that he's fighting in the boxing ring. He's like, don't you remember? You have a right hand. Don't you know? You got a good uppercut. Use it. Don't you know? And he's just talking about, use your quick feet. He's slapping him and hitting him. Well, it's the same way what, God, what the Apostle Paul was doing in 1 Corinthians. Don't you know? He said it over and over. Don't you know? 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 Don't you know who you are? Remember who you are. And this is what Jesus, now you understand. Verse 19. That I have imparted to you my authority to do what? What's the authority for? To trample over his kingdom. What's the authority for? It's not to use on other people. What's the authority for? It's to trample, it's to squish, it's to pulverate his kingdom. And you will trample upon just a few just the low-level devils that really are kind of useless? No. Every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Then he says, absolutely nothing. Can we read that together? Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. So what's he saying? There's a spot for you guys. There's a spot that you can operate that the devil himself cannot go and dare not go. Woo! And you've been graced, privileged to not only know about it, but to not only sit in it, but to occupy and to operate from that position. Hoorah! Come on, church, can we give it a little hoorah? Hoorah! Jesus said, trample. Hoorah, sir. Let's do it. It's devil booty kicking time. In our nation, devil booty kicking time. Come on, see that together. Devil booty kicking time. Hoorah! Hoorah! All right. A little bit of grit is what the church needs. A little enough. How much you? I've had enough. He's he's an idiot. Now. Because really, what is this fight all about? It's this, this is a spiritual battle we're in. It's not flesh and blood. It's not man against man, woman against woman, man against woman. It's not, a, it's not a race battle. It's not a colored battle. The world will make it out that way, but it's not. It's not a political battle. It's not even in the sense a God versus Satan battle. God wouldn't even put himself in the same category as that, as that dweeb. What is it? It's the enemy trying to attack the church. So what do we do? We got to know who we are. Don't you know, church? I gave you the authority. Hoorah, sir. Hoorah. It's a wake-up call for the church to start kicking back at what the devil's trying to do. It's not a natural battle, but we know who we fight against. Hoorah. So now this mindset, this is the mindset that we have to adopt, that the enemy and all of his stuff is already defeated and under my feet. We have to take on this mindset because spiritual warfare, this is where people get a little bit weird. 
Spiritual warfare, before we define what it is, let's define what it is not. Spiritual warfare is not fighting the devil and demons in order to defeat them. They're already defeated. We don't go from defeat to victory. The church goes from victory to victory to victory till we're out of here. Victory, complete total victory. So this is the mindset we have to take on. The enemy is not trying to, we, that, that's, he wants to keep you in the dark on some of this. He wants you to make, think that he's a lot bigger than he actually is. Hollywood portrays him as some scary force, as some kind of demon who does things in your house and throws books across the room. If that were ever to have my, put it back. <laughs> what do you, put that back. And good for you. Look, I can do that too. Well done. You can throw a book. <laughs> I'm going to just tell myself a little bit. Uh, there was a mouse in our house. <laughs> And I didn't handle it as badly as I thought I should have or could have. <laughs> Jamie was phoning. She gave, she's like, she was upstairs in the living room. I was just downstairs. And all of a sudden, she, she phoned me. I'm like, why is my wife phoning me? This is, this is different. Is this is how we're communicating now, girl? And so she phoned me. She's like, Joel, there's a mouse in the living room. I went. So I come up there. Like, I flexed a little bit. Where's that mouse? How big? How wide? How fat? How tall? What is it? This? And she said, no, I, I heard it. It's probably by where, the, where we keep some of our wood. It's got to be in there. So I'm like shaking the thing where the wood is. I don't see no mouse, girl. There's no mouse. Just read your book. She said, it's there. I heard the scratching. He's doing some of this. I'm like, what? what is going on? So finally, I took the pokey stick, and I stabbed some of the wood. Out jumped this mouse. And whoa! <laughs> I lost my cool for a moment. So I had my shoe. And, Tramp, trample, trample. I said, devil, it's the same way that mouse looks, it's the same way you're going to look. After the fact, I did all that. But I could have handled it a little bit more manly. I think I lost a few man cards on that event, but I'm slowly making them back. But that mouse is dead in the garbage. So it's the same way. And this, this, this is my house. I'm not moving out of my house because there's a mouse. It's the same way. This is my house. Devil, out. Ooh, a light turned on. Turn it off. You are in charge of this, not him. <laughs> Why did I tell that story? I don't know. And I just feel like I just dropped in all of your guys' books a little bit. Just a little, just, just a little. Thank you, Robert, for your honesty. So again, spiritual warfare is not fighting the enemy from this perspective that we have to defeat him. He is already defeated. So what is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is understanding the victory and now enforcing the victory that Jesus has already accomplished for us. You know, when you read in Ephesians chapter 6, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, what are you standing in? I'm not fighting for my kid's healing. I'm not fighting to try to get it. I already got it. What the enemy is trying to do is trying to move my stance so that I start being moved by what I see. I start moved by what they look like, what they sound like. I start moved by what other people say. No, no. I'm supposed to stand in the finished work of Jesus. Say anything you want. Do whatever you want, devil. It ain't going to work. I'm going to, having done all to stand, stand. Lord, thank you that the finished work of Jesus is true and working in my family. Done deal. That's spiritual warfare. 
Because he's going to try to push you out any possible way that he possibly can. But again, what's spiritual warfare? It's not, oh my goodness, well, this is what's going on. Well, sickness, I command you in Jesus. Name. Sickness, no, no, no. It's Jesus, you've already provided. Thank you. I receive that. And that is standing and having done all to stand, stand. The devil gets pretty ticked off because he wants to see a little bit of emotion out of you. You ain't getting it. Not like that mouse got it out of me. You ain't getting it. <laughs> all right. So now that we're all caught up on our own personal lives and out, what we went over last week and kind of a couple weeks ago, we had mentioned what the enemy wants to do is he wants to get you out of position. That's the whole tactic of the enemy. He wants, he wants lawlessness. He wants you to live in false, falsehood. He wants you to live in deception. Everything he's trying to do is to get you out of this spot. And I'm pointing over there because there was a chair there before. So if you're wondering, why is he looking over his left shoulder? There was a chair there before. So just pretend there's a nice big chair. He wants you out of position. That's the whole focus of the enemy. That's the game plan because when you're out of position, what happens? There's no authority on your part. There's no power flowing through you. There's no, you know, hearing directly from the Lord what to do. What happens now? You are wide open for the attack for the enemy to come and to devour as much as he possibly can. That's the whole purpose. The moment you became a born-again Christian is not the moment that all your problems ceased. In fact, if you were born again Christian, say, I've been a Christian for 25 years, never had a problem with the enemy. It's because you're not a problem. The moment you get born again, the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ, the moment you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, you're a tongue talker, you have got an arrow or a bullseye on your back, and the enemy is after. If he can't kill you, he's going to move you out of position and do everything he can to get you out of place so that you become a stuck or a unmoving Christian. Now, let's look at this. This is the warning because the enemy is going to do everything he can. And as you begin to operate from this spot, as your mind begins to get renewed into the ways of God, into the purposes and things of God, what's going to happen is that the enemy is going to push back. He's not going to roll out the red carpet for you and go, well done. That's awesome. You know how to kick my butt. Well done. That's not how he fights. He fights dirty. So now, he's not going to sit back without a fight. The forces of darkness that we wage war against, they know humans. They know what makes us tick. They've been around for a long time, right? So now if we don't, again, remember, we're attacking them. So as we are on the offense against them, right? This is a thing that the Lord helped me with even just this past fall is, Joel, I need you to get on the offense on some things. Stop being playing defense. You got to take charge. You are on the offense, not the devil. Just a different thought. We are the ones that are going to be bossing this sucker around a little bit. Now, as we take this position, as we take on this mindset, and we start pushing back darkness, we have got to know how their return strikes operate. We have to be knowledgeable of how he operates, why he does what he does, just the trickery that he has. Why? So that we can stay in position. Okay? Now, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 here again for a moment. I want you to see these verses. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Let me say it with me, enemy. enemy. Not friend. Enemy. Watch out for your enemy. Say, I have an enemy. Have an Who's the enemy? The devil. That's my enemy. Do I have any enemies naturally? No. We have no enemies out here. Political differences, does, that doesn't matter. Do I have any enemies out here? No. Who's my enemy? The devil. What does he do? He prowls around like, he doesn't say he is, 
he pretends he is one. But his teeth are smashed in. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Now look at this. Looking. What's he doing? Come on, y'all. We got we to see this. He's looking for someone to devour. So that shows me right off the bat that there are qualifications to him devouring someone. He can't just jump into you and my life and just do whatever he wants. He needs an access point. He needs something to work with to open the door to him and say, ah, I got in. <laughs> now he's able to steal, kill, and to destroy. But he's looking for someone to devour. Then verse 9, it says, stand firm against them and be strong in your faith. Now the Bible also tells us, look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, the Amplified. It says it's like this, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Or another way of saying it, give no opportunity to him. Don't give it to him. And if you actually look this up in the Greek, this phrase, because again, the Greek, there's no you know, um, periods and all that. But the way that Paul was bringing it out, he's literally screaming this to the Ephesians church in his writings. Give no place to the devil. Stop it. And who's he talking to? The church. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. Give no room to him. Why? Because you give it to him, he will take it. You give an inch, he'll take a foot. He's a real jerk that way. Now, again, the devil can't just do what he wants. Again, he's looking for an opportunity. So a good question, not a lot of people ask this question, but a good question to really ask yourself while you're you know, sitting your time with the Lord is to say, Lord, am I, is there any influence of demonic activity happening in my life? That'd be a good question. Am I yielding to him? Am I giving him a foothold in any area of my life? And don't just say no. Hear him out. Because you could be going, how come this isn't working? How come this is happening in my life? There's, there's some things that are bothering me. I'm anxious about this. That's not normal. <laughs> That's not okay. Oh, I'm scared about this. That's not okay. Just because you've lived with it for so many years or you've acted this way for so many years is not Bible standard normal. Normal for us is Jesus. When you see Jesus operate, that's our normal. <laughs> okay? So we have to ask him the question, Lord, if I, am I giving any access for the devil? Is he able to get a foothold in my life in any kind of way? And let the Lord say, hey, you know what? There's a few things here. Let's just shut the door on it. Okay. So now while we said belief gets us to the seat, humility keeps us in that seat. You can believe all you want, but if you're not living a life of humility and saying, Lord, here, here's my life, it won't work. Humility keeps us there. You have got to take the time to evaluate your life, which your living includes your believing. It includes your attitudes. It includes your words. It includes your actions, and it includes your thoughts. And they all must line up with what the Word of God says. So what you and I are, like this is, this is an army we're part of, so yeah, there's some diligent training. I have a cousin who went to the army and did a lot of boot camps and all those kind of things. What do they do? They train you. They equip you. There's no rotten attitudes. Do you think you want to wake up every morning at 5 o'clock? Let's go, Sergeant. Get everybody. Go get them. And you're supposed to answer, sir, yes, sir. Does that sound good? No, but hey, in the kingdom that we're in, this is a better kingdom. This is an army. Yet you and I, there's some discipline that's required of us. And the reason why we wanted to be disciplined is so that we can stay and operate from that seat. Am I talking to the right bunch this morning? I, I want this. Why? Because our city needs a church that knows how to function here. 
Because listen, we could throw Christian cliches all day long. A fearless world needs a bold, strong church. Amen. But how do you do that? You can put it on Facebook all you want, get 100 likes and go, yeah, I made a dent today in the kingdom of God. No. A fearless world, yeah, needs a fearless church. How do you do that? From the spot. From this position. How do you live a fear-free life? Know, first of all, how much God loves you, but then occupy the spot. How do I do it? A humility lifestyle will keep you in that spot. This is why this church exists. Now, let's go over this. An unwillingness to allow the Word of God to govern and shape our lives you will never be able to fully function or operate from this position. Now, I mean, we can jump and holler all day. Yeah, the trample of the enemy. Ah, woo, 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 woo. We have to learn how to stay there. Because again, now this entire culture is trying to pull you away, suck you away from being close to God, which is also getting away from this chair. Let me back up a little bit. If there are areas in our minds that haven't been changed by the word of God, they become a foothold for the enemy to get into your life. <laughs> the very things you may be going, I'm proud of it, may be the very thing that takes you out your seat and you're wondering why your marriage is so frustrating. All right, moving on. <clears throat> just because it's the norm in society doesn't make it right. Or just because you've operated a certain way for so long doesn't make it right. Example is someone who lives in anger regularly. This is just how I am. This is just how I speak. I've been that way for 28 plus years. Wow, you just showed off how ignorant you are. But what happens now, you, we celebrate that going, well, that's just the way they are. No, that right there, that anger, actually what we see in the Bible, is a foothold for the enemy. And we're going, how come it's not working? How come it's not working? I've tithed, you know, I'm not seeing it happen. Is there any area in my life that the enemy is looking for loopholes? He's looking for a loophole to get in. Is there anything? All right, let's moving right along. So how do I change that? Is I have to go to the word of God, humble myself, get to the word of God, which is our absolute truth, and allow the word to change my thinking. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. This is why the word is here. It's to change and to show us where things in our life are off. Again, what's the purpose of the word? What does the word want to do? To make us and form us into the image of Jesus. So when you spend time in this book, you're being formed and molded into the image of his son. That's the goal. Right? We still look good? Okay. Continuing on now. So what do we got to do? Acts 20, 28, you don't have to turn there, but it says, take heed to yourself. I'm going to read a couple of these verses to you. We read this one last week, but I want to read it again. Hebrews chapter 13, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. In the Message Bible, like the way that it says it, it says, test yourselves. Say it with me, test yourself. Not test your neighbor, not test your spouse, not test your children, not test, you know, somebody else in the church. He says, test yourself to make sure they are solid in the faith. You better be solid. Now, they're not solid in the faith. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, they, I see them. You're believing. They're not, they're not doing it right. Stop. Test yourself and make sure who? I, you, I, you. I am solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Then he says, give Give what? Give yourself a regular checkup. Regular. Anybody had a good checkup lately? I'm talking the gloves and everything. Snap. 
we're getting in there. What's going on? I got to test it out. You better let Dr. Jesus in, man. I'm telling you, you, you better check it out. <laughs> See where your mind went on that? Mine didn't. Yours did. Huh. Huh. Anyways, moving right along. Then it says, you, not they, not other people, you need firsthand evidence. I need it. That what? That not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in others. No, that he's in me. <laughs> Test it out. If you fail, you do something about it. <laughs> I'm so thankful the word said that. That's, not, that's just the word. Now look at this next verse, Hebrews chapter 2. Oh, it gets, it gets worse from here. Hang on. <laughs> in the best way. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, So we must listen carefully to the truth that we have heard, lest what? Or we may drift away from it. You know, one of the crazy, dangerous things that we are in the time and that we're in is the drifting that's taking place. The drifting. Everybody say with me, drifting. What is drifting? I'm not just thinking car races. Drifting, I mean, just a great example. I had, you know, Jamie and I, um, we went to Mexico. This is a few years back now. And, man, I loved it there. And, you know, my wife reads a lot of great books. And so I play by myself a lot. And I'm just looking for a friend in the water. So anyways, I met, <laughs> I met a guy who's from Chicago. We had a good chat. And as we were just kind of standing there chatting, I did not realize. I was probably out there for about half hour talking with the guy a little bit. And over 30 minutes. So when I came out into the water, there is Jamie. And over about 30 minutes or so, I look up and I look forward and I go, that is not Jamie. Huh. Where did she go? She left me here. Okay. She left me here. Notice the, she left me. Yeah, no, she's, yeah. She's probably found another great book and just hiding away from me. So I don't see her again. Who drifted? I drifted. All of a sudden I came back. She was right there again. I drifted. Drifting is so subtle. Let me give you the actual dictionary from, from our dictionary. Um, or from an undercurrent. When you type in drifting, you get undercurrent. It's a current of water below the surface and is moving in a different direction from the surface. You don't even notice it from the outside, but where does it take place? All on the inside. It's all happening on the inside. And the whole premise of what the enemy is trying to do is deception and falsehood. That's the biggest tools that he's got. So if we aren't sticking close to the word of God, if we're not getting in line with the truth, deception is so easy. You look out in the world, no wonder the Antichrist is going to have no problem coming in here and setting some things in his way straight. There's no problem. Why? Because people have no concept of truth. It's my truth. Well, that's real to me. Is it Bible? No? Then shut it up. If it contradicts the word, kaboom. Get it out as far as you possibly can because, listen, these days are coming and more and more as we go forward is that it's going to sound Bible. It's going to sound Christian. It's going to sound so good and it's going to contradict what you just heard this morning. Oh, but it sounds so good. Doctrines of devils are going into this world rapidly. So what do we got to do? I got to get in this thing because this is the only difference between me and a deceptive person is that I know the truth. I need this. I got to get in this. This is my only cure for stupidity. This is how you fix stupid right here. But you throw this out, then stupid is for everyone. And that's not being harsh. That's just reality. Moving along. That wasn't part of it. Now, the next verse, Hebrews chapter 3. Look at this one. This one just, it gets better. He says, search your hearts. Whose hearts? I'm supposed to search my own heart 
every day. Say with me, every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding where? Not on the surface. What's going on on the inside? The drifting takes place on the inside. The natural will just follow suit. People get excited. Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. They're in the front row. Before you know it, they're in the back. Then they're out in the very back. And then before they stop coming, what, what took place? Drifting all the way along. And what happens? They can say, oh, the church did this or somebody did this. No, no, no. You left the word. People can blame all they want, but it's your problem with the word. That's, that's just what it is. I can't sugarcoat that. That's just the reality. Make sure none of you have evil or unbelief hiding in your heart. For why, why don't we want this in our heart? Because it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. I can't hear from him anymore. What's going on? Check on the inside. Check what's going on because a quiet God is not a God that we serve. He's always speaking. He's always talking. How well are you acquainted with this? Anyways, verse 13. This is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is the season that we're in. So again, I'm kind of thinking, you know, around this time, I'm like, Lord, I'm looking for a Christmassy message, something that just makes you feel, you can just put your feet up and enjoy a good thing. Well, the Lord's saying, no, we got to pay attention and wake up here a little bit. So I apologize, it's not Christmassy. That's why Lisa's saying, Mary, did you know? <laughs> okay. Another way of saying, I love, I love this line from Jesus. Let me just show you this in John 14, verse 30. Again, I'm, I just took the last part of this verse from the Amplified Bible, but I, I want you to see what Jesus said just before he went to the cross. He says, the enemy, he has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power or no foothold or no access over me. He can't get to me. Those are powerful words. Now, one of the things that I was just, you know, spending some time in prayer last night and just thinking about these things, that, that phrase popped up to me as I was reading it. And I, this is what came out of me is that we are to have nothing in common with the devil. I want to have nothing in common. You know, the book of Amos tells us how can two be agreed unless they walk together? I don't want to have anything in common with him at all. You know, somebody told me this morning uh, that I look like my mom. Me and my mom have some things in common. I look like my mom. I'm so glad she's pretty. I'm my mom with a beard. Thanks, mom. <laughs> there's things that you have in common, right? And especially you go on a first date or you, you know, with your spouse, there's things that you have in common, right? That's a good thing. That's a, that's a good part. Well, with the enemy, I don't want to have anything in common with that loser, nothing. If that means there's anything, if he's got an attitude like that, I don't want it. If he thinks like that, I don't want to think that way. I don't want to have any participation with how that loser operates. Not in the slightest. For one reason, he's an idiot. Secondly, I want to stay in my spot. Because again, this is the position of all authority. This is the position that I can release and be active and make the changes God needs in this earth. I want to do that. I want to be in that spot for him. I want that with the kingdom. Anybody else want that? Yes, yeah, so I don't want to have anything in common with the enemy. So what, how do we do this? Is that you can just yield to him. 
It's so easy to yield an attitude. You know, anybody not get much sleep over the past weekend? Woo! So what's the temptation? What does your flesh want to do? And somebody asks you to do something. No! Why? And then I read in my Bible in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do everything without arguing and complaining. But that takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> so what is that? That right there is a paradigm shift. Can you do this? Yes, I can. That's something my parents taught us. You dance until your attitude changes. Hey, I need you to do this. I'm not, I don't want to do that. Do it. Fine. Nope. Dance until that. Okay. Yeah, this is a, okay. I can do that for you. No problem. I did that with my daughter yesterday, crying around dinner time. She wanted a snack before dinner, but we all know if you get a snack, you're not going to eat your dinner. Don't we? Or am I just a harsh parent that doesn't? No, it's not going to happen. But and it all comes out, it comes out. I said, hey, let's sit down. We have an opportunity now to change your little attitude. So I sang the song, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, joy, joy. It took about two times singing that, and all of a sudden she went from to but still no snack. No. So I have to do it a few times. But we got there. But it's the same thing for you and I. It's the same thing. Just because we're adults means nothing. <laughs> Anybody met a whiny Christian before? Woo! All right, so let me just show you a couple things from the Word, not me, from the Word, that reveals to us what are footholds that give the enemy access to removing you and I from that position. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Woo! Let's read this out. It says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. So, <laughs> do we see that right there? There is a difference between how the world lives and there's a difference how the church lives. And it's not a holier than thou. It's not we're better than, no. You understand, you've been brought into the kingdom of light. So you're understanding a whole new different way of living. I don't need drugs or alcohol to have a good time. I can actually have a great time just with the Lord or with other people of the faith. I can have a great time. I laugh out more now than I did in high school. And we did some stupid things, in it, and there were some funny things, but really stupid things that we did. Now, he says, they'll live no longer that way, for they are hopelessly, why don't I want to live like them? Because they are hopelessly confused. Verse 18, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have, listen, they have closed. It's a choice. This is a choice. They have closed their minds and they have hardened their hearts against him. How do you do that? Choice. Choice after choice after choice. It's their choice. Now, they have no sense of shame. They live for a lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But, verse 20, it says, but this isn't what you learned about Christ. Right? We learned something different, didn't we? Okay, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, notice what he says. Throw off. Come on, say it with me. Throw off. Throw off. There are some things that I have to do still. 
Just because I'm a born-again Christian, it's not like I just sit back and enjoy the ride. No, I have, there's some things that i got to do. And this is the biggest one, is I have to throw off the sinful nature. That sinful nature is not talking about your recreated human spirit. You are born again, child of the Most High God, that, that's you. You have the Holy Ghost on the inside. You are perfect on the inside. What he's talking about here, the sinful nature, actually has to do with your mind. Because where is the battle? Where is the spiritual battle that takes place? It's here. Old mindsets kick in. Old ways of operating. Well, this is just the way I am. You have to throw it off. Well, I'm just mad all the time. That's not okay. But Jesus is Lord. That's not okay. You have to throw that off. Come on, say it with me. Throw it off. And take on something else. i got to throw it off. That sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by the lust and deception. Instead now, let the Spirit renew your thoughts let the Spirit of God renew your attitudes. Woo! Ready? Here we go. Put on. Everybody say, put on. The same way you put on your clothes this morning. I got to take off thoughts and I got to dress myself or put on the new nature created to be who? Just like God. Truly righteous and truly holy. So now verse 25, it starts giving you the practical of what it looks like. So this is what I have to take off. Stop lying. Who is he talking to? The church. You have to tell the church to stop lying? I guess so. Why? Again, what are we all focused? This is not just a behavior modification. You better stop doing this. Don't, don't lie anymore. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. But what are, we, what are we talking about? I want to stay in my position. I want to stay effective. I want to stay in this place of safety and protection. I want to give no access with the devil. I don't even want to look like him. So he says, stop telling lies. Why? Because the, the, the father of all lies is Satan. Every lie, no matter how big or how small it is, all comes from the same place, the father of lies. God doesn't know how to lie, the Bible tells us. He doesn't even know how to do it. That's who I want to hang out with. Stop telling lies. Let us all tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Next, don't sin by letting anger control you. <laughs> what, what was that? Don't let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because the New Living Bible says, anger gives a foothold to the devil. You're wondering, why am I getting these bad dreams? Did you go to bed angry? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a foothold. So again, it's not to condemnation. What do you do? Repent, shut it down. Slam that door on his face. Verse 28, if you're a thief, don't raise your hand, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. If you're a thief, <laughs> quit stealing. <laughs> Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Okay? Now, verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Oh, but that's just the way I like to talk. You know, this is the way that I grew up. You know, I'm kind of a little rough around the edges. Yeah, I understand that. Praise God, you did come from that. But now you're in a brand new kingdom. And in this kingdom, we don't use foul or abusive talk. It, it doesn't work that way. Again, why is that? Behavior modification. No, it's so that I can stay properly located in my seat. I don't want to look like him. I don't want to smell like him. I want nothing in common with him. Why? Because he is a loser. All he knows how to do is lose. He's really good at it. So what do I want to do? I don't want to use foul or abusive, abusive language. 
Now instead, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Okay, verse 30. This is good. It says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now, verse 31. Here we go. Ready? Get rid of. Can you say it with me? Get rid of. What are we doing? I'm getting rid of it all. All bitterness. But you don't know what they said. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Come on, say it with me. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter what they did. My Bible tells me to get rid of all bitterness. Why? I want to stay in my spot. I got to stay located. Because the more that I get out of here, it's, I got bigger problems. I can blame it on so-and-so. Listen to the thing. The more and more that you hang around bitterness or unforgiveness, what happens? You'll find an excuse to stay there. They said that to me. They did that to me. And again, we've heard that many times. It's like you, it's like you drinking poison thinking somebody else is going to get hurt. It doesn't work that way. What is unforgiveness? Who does it affect? It affects me. It's a wide open door for the devil to come in, to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm going, I can't understand what's going on in my life. Why are things so bad? Is the door open? Yeah, but they did that. Keep the door open as long as you want them. Go for it. It's your choice. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, <laughs> anger, harsh words. And slander. What's slander? Gossip. Shut it up. Don't let anybody puke on you. You don't be a puker and don't let anybody puke on you. That is the most dangerous things in a move of God. Is all of a sudden God moves and what happens? People chirp. God wants to do something and this isn't good enough. Listen, we don't do anything perfect. But you keep slandering. What are you doing? You think you're hurting the other individual, but what you're doing is you're opening the door to somebody else or for the enemy to come into your life, steal, kill, and destroy. You can play the blame game all day long. They did, they said, they should have, they could have, all of that all day long. But when it comes down to it, when you stand before the Lord, he says, why'd you keep the door open? And the answer to it is not, they did this. That is not an excuse. My problem, if I did something with somebody, that's between me and the Lord. I'll get that fixed and then I'll get it fixed. One thing that Jamie and I even do in our own marriage, if there's ever a bit of a disagreement or a squabble, I will go to the Lord first before I go to her. She does the same thing. Because what happens? It just calms the whole situation down first, going, Lord, this is, this is the situation. Lord, she needs to change. She needs to change. She need, there's something wrong. There's nothing right. There's something wrong. And the Lord will have the time. You know what he'll do? He'll correct me. God, we're talking about her. And what does he do? He will turn that whole thing right back around. No, we're addressing you. Because what am I supposed to do? Test her? No, test yourselves to make sure that Jesus Christ is in me. I need firsthand evidence that Jesus is operating in me. So that's, that's how this works. As well as all types of evil behavior. So in case there's anything that I missed, and all evil behavior. Again, why? Behavior modification? No. It's protection to keep you in this spot. I really hope that you see that. This is not just the Holy Ghost giving us a bunch of rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. No, it's for this position. You want to see your, your kids flourish. You want to see the kingdom of God advance. You want to see your business flourish. You want to see your relationship flourish. Stay put. Lastly, verse 32. Instead, now of all this, instead, be kind to each other. 
Oh, tender-hearted. Isn't that like a tender heart? This is one thing that I promised the Lord. When we first stepped into even ministry, I said, Lord, I always want, because I had a minister come and talk to me about my heart. He said, keep that tenderness of heart. I said, okay, Lord, I want a tender heart. Why? So I can hear you no matter what. No matter what come my way, Lord, even though I go, you know, walk through things, Lord, you are always with me. I want to be tender. Tender hearted. Notice this, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Now continue on. I got the last three verses, then I'm done. He says, imitate God. So don't just stop at chapter five. This, remember, it's not written in chapter and verse. Imitate God in everything that you do because you are his dear children. Then he says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now verse three, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. I like the way that the New King James Bible says, it says such sin should have no, should not even be named among you. And that's one thing I'm so grateful for this church, and it will continue to be, that these types of sins, sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, won't even be named among Impact Life Church. You want to have a, if people want to have a, go, go, do that somewhere else. Here we don't do that. Why? Because we are conscious about our seat. I want this spot. More than I want you listed there. What's more important? I want this. I don't want that. Then verse 4. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Can you hear how the Holy Ghost is saying it? It's like a dad talking. That's not for you. (laughs) You're far above all that junk. There's so much better things for you. Instead, let thankfulness come out of your mouth. In the message, Baba says, let thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is our dialect. So people come, oh, where are you from? I hear you got an accent. Alberta? Yeah, that's what I sound like. Or, you, you know, any part of the world. What's, where are you from? You got a bit of an accent. Well, what's the accent for a child of God? Thank you. Man, where, where, where are you from? Why are you so thankful? Oh, I, I belong to God. That's our dialect, is that people go, man, where are you from? Oh, you heard thank you a lot? I'm from heaven. I come, my, my, my father takes good care of me. That's the way that Christianity is. We'd say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So that's my dialect. Is that Canadian? Ah, heavenly. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, Father, we just love you. Father, we come before you as children to you. Again, we appreciate and so value your word. It is so dear and so precious to us. We love your word, and we seek after your word more than all the gold or silver, that all the things that earth could provide for us. Father, we want you, and we love you. So, Father, I ask that every, everything that's being said, everything that's being done, Father, that first it would glorify you. It would give glory to the name of Jesus. But, Lord, also that it will continue to be on the inside of us, and it will grow from information to revelation knowledge on the inside of us. Because, Lord, we want more than anything is to operate with you, to flow with you in these last days. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Awesome all. Thank you so much. Love you.